Well, hello, welcome again to Talk with TT. This is epi episode seven, and I'm really delighted to have with me Eileen Warner. Eileen, welcome uh, to this podcast. It's good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Eileen is amazing uh, because uh, we've had, uh, she's new to Zoom, which we record and has uh, become very savvy with technology with the help of Cole and, and now on Zoom. So, uh, but thank you for joining us. You are the first person in my, this series that is from Colchester. You're a Colchester girl. So um, uh, we're going to talk a bit about that, but First of all, we're still in this um, uh, period of time with the coronavirus. And how has that affected your life, Eileen? Well, it hasn't actually been too bad because I'm used to living alone, for one thing. And also, I have a garden, which I enjoy. I love walking and I've walked miles in the countryside. Um, but of course, I do miss talking face to face with people. I yes. have missed the church fellowship, but I've appreciated phone calls, messages um, on my iPad, etc. But it hasn't really been too bad for me. That's great. And what, what are you looking forward to um, as we unlock and can, you know, socially meet people at a distance? I'm looking forward to the 11th of July when I go to the hairdressers very much. <laughs> and um, of course, I'm looking forward to seeing all my friends at church at Eld Lane again. That's fantastic. Thank you. So you were, you were born in Colchester. And um, tell us about your parents, your early years. What was it like? I was born in Colchester. I still live in the same house. Um, my parents were wonderful. I'm the only child and I couldn't have had a more loving home. It was wartime uh, when I was, well, I was just three when the war started. So I spent my childhood um, during the war, but they looked after me so well I was never afraid. I went yes. to Old Heath Primary School, which is just down the road from me, and I loved it, as I didn't understand when the sirens went, because when the sirens went, we went into the shelters and played games. And I loved that. And I remember saying, Mummy, I hope we have lots of sirens today. <laughs> and that was my childhood. It was idyllic. I loved every moment of it, really. Where does this zest for life come from, Eileen? I don't know. In the genes, I should think. Was it uh, on your mother or father's people. side? Was it mother or father's side? My mother was a very outgoing, happy person from a wonderful family. My father was from a desperate family. Um, let's say no more about it. An awful family. He was dragged up rather than brought up. But yes. he was determined that his home, his family, was going to be better. And Fantastic. he did everything in his power to make yes. it so. And it was. It was really happy. And your father got you into sport. What sports did he get you into? <laughs> My father did every sport you can imagine. He went cycling. He was into boxing. He played football. He played tennis. He was a good swimmer. 
he could do everything in sport and he loved it. And my mother was so glad I wasn't a boy or I would have been in the boxing ring when I was about six. But <laughs> he did take me to tennis and um, I loved the tennis and used to play tennis with him. And he taught me all I know in tennis. Fantastic, mm -hmm. fantastic. Okay. So you went to school, you left school, and then what happened next with your... Well, career? when I left school, I went to the girls' high school in Colchester, and I left when I was 18, and I went to teacher training college in Brighton, because I'd always wanted to be a teacher ever since I could remember. So my dream was coming true. Oh, wonderful. So which college did you attend? Brighton. Brighton Teacher Training College. In those days, if you wanted to teach, you went to a teacher training college for two years. Great, great. And what subject did you specialise in? Uh, as I specialised in mathematics. Wow, well done. clever lady. But during your time in, in Brighton, uh, you had a number of uh, friends, um, and one of these friends was quite influential in sharing her faith. Tell me about your journey of faith. Well, whilst I was at Brighton, I, it's a long while ago, and we had to share rooms, and I was sharing a room with four other people, and one of them was a very keen Christian. Now, I'd never ever thought about Christian things, about God. I didn't know if there was a God. I was happy, life was wonderful. I was doing what I'd always wanted to do and I didn't think I needed bother about anything else. But this Christian um, person in my room was very keen Christian. She'd already trained to go to India as a missionary, but was unable to go because she didn't pass her medical. So she prayed and she came to Brighton to train for teaching. And it was wonderful what God did through that one person. Mm. First of all, she invited me to church and I refused every time she asked me. Sunday was tennis and hockey practice and I was too busy with sports. But then it rained about seven weeks running and on the seventh week, eventually I agreed and I went to church to Holland Road Baptist Church in Brighton. And it was a revelation. I'd never really been to church. I didn't know about church, but I imagined a lot of old people and very quiet and boring. But it was alive with young people, with their Bibles, singing, praying, talking to you. It was just something I'd never experienced before. But anyway, the next week I played tennis and hockey again. I didn't go again. but. It stayed in my mind, and I did join this Christian at some of the Christian Union meetings in the college. And eventually, I did go to church with her again. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my um, faith in God through the witness of her, the prayers of her, and the life of Christians at church and in the Christian Union. Brilliant, brilliant. And actually, that changed the course of your your working life, didn't it? Um, that it that did. experience. Yes, it did. Because as I say, I, I loved life, but I realized that there was something more. So it says in the Bible about life and life abundantly. And I knew life. I loved it. 
but there was something more an abundant full life with a meaning i think that's what really got me someone had made me and someone cared for me someone had a purpose for me i'd never thought of that before and as i explored it i knew that god had made me god had a purpose for me and god was having wanted a relationship with me and that's how i came and asked him into my life and of course it changed it completely because he had a purpose what was that purpose what mm. did he want me to do yes. and as i prayed along those lines he began to show me what he wanted me to do that's fantastic and that was a real sense of calling as a missionary wasn't it, it was. um, um so and you I found that very important. There was a verse from Exodus chapter 3 when God spoke to Moses and he said, Come now, I will send you. Go down a few verses and it says, Certainly, I will be with you. Mm. And it was as if right deep in my heart, I knew that was true. Come, I'll send you. I'll yes. be with you. And I never doubted that call through my years in japan i went back to that chapter several times and said mm. lord this is what you've said you've never failed yet and mm. he still has never failed but i th i'm so glad he gave me that assurance that he mm. was sending me and that he was with me otherwise i couldn't have done it yes yes so you attended emmanuel college in birkenhead and um that prepared you for the mission field. Um, and how long was that course? That course was for three years. Mm -hmm. It was, we did, it was a Bible college. We did theology and preach homiletics, preaching and church history. But also we did, they did emphasize the mission field and the work of Christ overseas. Yeah. And that's what you were drawn to. Um, and you were connected with what is now called the Japanese Christian Link, formerly right. Japanese Evangelistic Band. You say yes. JB for short. Yes. Um, what happened after your three years at Emmanuel College? Where did you go from there? Well, first of all, when I was in Emmanuel Bible College, because we were at Birkenhead near Liverpool, and in those days, you traveled overseas you usually travel by ship because it was cheaper and a lot of the missionaries when they came home from fields all around the world they landed in Liverpool and so they used to come to the college and tell us about their work and it was a man home from Japan who spoke about Japan and it was while he was speaking about Japan that that um, sort of Japan came into my heart, but I still wasn't absolutely sure. But I did know that God was calling me. He was sending me somewhere. So after three years um, at Emmanuel, I came home. And of course, I found a church. I didn't know a church in Colchester. Well, I, after teacher training college, I found a church. So I went to the church, the railway mission, a yep. small mission hall in Colchester. And I learned a lot from the pastor there and mm -hmm. joined in the work of the church there. And the call of God got stronger and stronger as I was um, there. So I went off then to Emmanuel. After I finished at Emmanuel, I felt this calling to Japan and I applied to the Japan Evangelistic Band. 
Mm-hmm. So they um, sent you not to Japan after the college. You went where? <laughs> after college, they realized I needed a lot more training. And um, they often did this with candidates because the mission JEB works particularly in rural Japan, the country areas of Japan. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was asked to work with the faith mission who work in the rural areas of um, this country. And I was sent to the south of Scotland and lived with another young lady. And we lived in a caravan and we went round the villages of the south of Scotland holding missions in village halls, church halls, going visiting, giving out tracts and speaking to people about the Lord. And we usually stayed in a village for about one month and Mm. then moved on to another village and we not too far away so we could go back and visit if we'd got Mm. follow-up to do so i worked for a year with the faith mission in scotland what did you find people were receptive to what you shared with them some people were some people weren't um but the people in scotland are lovely people and they were very warm and helpful and God did bless, and we did see people coming to know the Lord, but others, of course, didn't want anything to, to do with us and sent us off pretty quickly when we went visiting round the houses. Yes. Uh, it, there was a mixture. Yeah. And then in 1962, um, uh, you were sent to Kobe in Japan. Tell us about, some of us won't know where Kobe is, what part of Japan it is. Uh, what kind of demography is around? Tell us about it. Well, yes, I was sent to Kobe, which was our JEB mission headquarters, and I lived there for two years. Um, Kobe is uh, one of the ports of Japan, and it has had lots of foreigners visit it in the past. There are sort of evidences of foreign buildings and things but it's a large city one of the large cities in japan a lot of industry it's on the coast and um, it's a busy city but a beautiful city i think so i stayed in kobe for two years studying the language (laughs) that's another story (laughs) how did you find the language a very tough language to learn it is it's a very tough language and Uh, It was a wonderful language school. We had small classes and it was run by Japanese Christians. So we could get used to Japanese um, sort of Christian words as well as ordinary conversation. So I traveled to school every every day from our headquarters. I had to travel across Kobe, very busy at the rush hour. I got used to being pushed in the trains and pulled out, very crowded. (laughs) And... I realized to my shame, and I still am ashamed, that I had never really studied before in my life. I'd done enough to get through, Mm. but that wasn't good enough with Japanese. And I had three or four others in the class with me. Two of them were Germans, and they were very good at languages, and they already knew three or four. And it was evident after about two weeks that they were going to do far better than me. They were so keen and I'm rather competitive and I wasn't (laughs) going to let them beat me. And so it was of the Lord that they were in my class. 
and I went home and I studied and I studied. I learned things off by heart. I did homework. I'd never thought that was important before. And I really did it. I really put everything into it because if I didn't know the language, then it's no point being out there because mm -hmm. in the rural areas where I was to work, no one in those days, hardly anyone understood English. So yes. those two years were hard work. It was a tremendous challenge, but in a strange sort of way, I enjoyed the challenge. Yes. What happened after the college in Kobe? You were then sent out elsewhere. Yes, I was sent out still on the main island of Japan. There are four islands and this was the main island. And I was sent to the west of Kobe near the um, across the mountains near the coast on the other side and I spent there several years, first two years anyway, and then uh, working with uh, um, senior missionaries, one of whom was Japanese but her mother uh, was Japanese, her father was English and she was completely bilingual, the best interpreter I've ever heard mm. and that was wonderful for me, she was yes. very strict I had to write out every little message I was given, um, I was going to give, and she corrected it. Usually I couldn't read it when she'd corrected it because there's so many red lines. But she was so thorough and she spent hours with me. That third year in Japan was the most difficult mm -hmm. because after two years, I could speak with the teachers at school. I knew the words they'd taught me. They knew the words they'd taught me. I went out to the country and I couldn't understand the country dialect. I couldn't understand anything. And mm. I thought I've been here two years and I might as well not have bothered. Mm. And it was through this senior missionary and again through utter determination that I would get there, that I gradually began to be able to converse in their language, not the language school language. Yes, yeah, fabulous, fabulous. And what was your role then um, in, the, in the rural areas? Well, um, I was used quite a bit to teach English to the youngsters, to the children. I mean, in the country areas, um, we were rare. Foreigners were rare. It's changed now. The Japan I'm speaking about was 1960s. It's changed so much. But they would come out onto the street, the children point a finger and say, look at this American. I soon told them I was an American, but um, <laughs> their parents said, will you teach them English? Now, that was an opportunity, and we needed to use the opportunities. We had Bibles with English one side and Japanese the other side, they had New Testaments, and so I used to, they were a simple English translation, and I used to read usually miracles, parables, stories that Jesus told in English, and we'd read the feeding of the 5,000, and he broke the bread. So I'd say, do you like bread? And, uh, and we'd talk about bread, and I'd correct their pronunciation. And I'd really hope to teach them some English. But mm. then I would, at the end, I would tell them about the story and the man who did the miracle, uh, mm. who is Jesus. So that was a means of getting people into the church. Yes, yes. I mean, the goal of your mission was was for an indigenous church, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes, mm. it was. 
yes. So after, I, I mean, I stayed with this senior missionary, came home on furlough. Um, we stayed out for five years um, because it took so long. It took six or seven weeks to get there and to get back on the boat. And so we stayed for five years. I came home after five years and then went back again. And when I went back again, I was working on the smallest of the four main islands called mm. Shikoku. And it is very rural there, which I love. I love the countryside. And first, first of all, I worked with a Japanese pastor and his family. And then I worked with a Japanese lady worker. Um, and the two of us worked there on this smaller island right in the mountains in the country with people well, I could go on my little motorbike for 50 miles and there wouldn't be a church and wow. I wouldn't meet a Christian. Um, we had open air meetings. We collected children on the um, roadside and told them Bible stories. And um, sometimes we were able to stay in a hall overnight and spend a couple of days way out in the villages. It sometimes be a five or six motorbike, five or six hour motorbike journey to get there. Wow. There was no other witness. So it was yes. a tremendous privilege. And then, yes. of course, by that time, I had been out longer. So um, we had a church, uh, not a building, but we had church services in the house where we were living, sat on the straw matting in our home. And, of course, I did have to take my turn in preaching um, on Sundays. And also we had prayer meetings. And try usually we only had about seven people there. But um, God blessed, and it was mm. it was great privilege to be there. Wonderful, wonderful. And what was what was the weather like in Japan? Ah, now uh, Japan is a long uh, country from north to south. I don't know how many miles, but a long country. In the north, they absolutely they have tremendous snow in the winter, and they had the Winter Olympics there. And you can't, you can hardly get out during the winter. Well, I hate the, I hate the cold. So God sent me to the south. Now Tokyo um, is roughly, not exactly, but roughly on the main islands, roughly the same temperatures as as London, except the summer is hotter mm. and more humid. Well, then I was further south in Shikoku, so it really was hotter. Sort of semi-tropical, I suppose, there. And yes. I loved the heat. So I, I just loved it. And mm. we grew um, mikan, uh, tangerine oranges and sort of the lovely fruit on the mountainsides. Wow. And yeah. it was very pretty and very lovely. But yes. it was hot, very yes. hot. And, uh, you know, it's your your time in japan um were, were, was coming to a close in the latter 1970s tell us about you moved from the countryside didn't you back to kobe uh well i had expected when i went out in 1962 that i would be there until i died god had sent said come now i'll send you when he did and he was with me well the last of my years in japan they asked me if i would teach at a Bible college in Japan, um, we that belonged to the JV, and we were seeking to train Japanese people to become pastors, evangelists, to lead their own people. So I worked for a year in the Bible college, 
and I was in charge of the women's students there and I lived with them in their um, dormitory and every morning we had a, a prayer meeting about half past five in the morning or some unearthly hour and I had to give a message every morning and in Japanese of course and pray and also when they went out to serve at churches um, at the weekends I had to go out and see how they were getting on. I did have a few classes in the college um, but not many but my main work was looking after the girls students which was a privilege and then after that year um, suddenly I became aware that my mother living in England alone because my father died just two years after I, I arrived in Japan and mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get home. Um, my mother was living alone and I gathered that by that time she was getting on in years and mm -hmm. she really needed some help mm -hmm. and I felt I should help her but I was in a dilemma. God had sent me to Japan so I didn't leave it. Mm. But yet my mother, who was wonderful, who had become a Christian whilst I was in Japan through the witness and help of people at the railway mission and through my prayers and many people's prayers, she'd mm. visited me in Japan. She'd come back to England and held a prayer meeting in her home for the work in Japan. I couldn't leave her alone in England needing someone to help. And yeah. so I was in a dilemma. And I went back to Exodus chapter 3 and I said Lord this is what you've said come I'll send you certainly I will be with you my eyes went down the page a little bit and it said and when you have served me he was saying to Moses then you will come and serve me again on this mount and mm -hmm. God was saying to me you've done what I told you you've served me in Japan and now you'll serve me again where you started in Colchester mm -hmm. and so I knew he was speaking to me again and so I came home and that was right and I never regretted it. I was able to look after mum for four or five years during which time she had a couple of strokes and she needed people or someone to look after her and mm. I, it was just a privilege to do that. So yeah. that's why I came home. That's fantastic. So. Uh... As a faithful daughter, you came back, you looked after your mother. What about work? What did you do then? Well, I needed to work to get some money. And um, so I had worked in primary school before I went at Missley. But when I came back, the methods in primary school, te teaching, reading and all the methods, they'd changed. And mm. I said, well, will you send me on a refresher course? But they said, no, we haven't got money for that. So <laughs> they said, but you taught, you trained in mathematics couldn't you teach in a secondary school they're crying out for maths teachers so I landed up in secondary teaching I taught at Bramston school in Whitham I taught at Notley High School in Braintree and uh, latterly I taught the last seven years of my teaching career at Thurstable in Tiptree teaching maths yes you were telling me uh, on a conversation uh, last week that you encountered one of your students. Uh, I think it was uh, in the shops or supermarket or something like that. And yes. they said, oh, Miss Warner, now tell us the conversation about how they remembered you. Well, well, I was amazed that she remembered me, first of all, because it was a long while ago when I retired. And then she said, you were my maths teacher. So I said, well, I had to admit, yes, that's right. She said, shall I tell you what I remember 
about you. And I thought, oh dear. So she said, I remember your assembly at Thurstable. Oh, I said, what did I talk about? So she said, you told us about your work in Japan and why you went and how you climbed Mount Fuji. Oh, I said, did I? I said, now, do you remember all the wonderful maths I taught you? Oh, she said, no, I don't remember any of that. I hated maths. But she said, I'll always remember your assembly. So that was encouraging. <laughs> That's lovely. In one way. Yes. Well, we come to that quick fire quiz, this fun time where you answer questions and you don't win anything. Um, but it also just tells us a bit about you. So out of Facebook or written letters, what do you prefer? I prefer written letters. And I do you still like write Facebook. letters? Do you still write letters yes, with a pen? I do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Good, good for you. Well, I know the answer to this question. Are you a city or country girl? Country every time. Good stuff. Uh, reading or television? Well, that's a, a bit of a problem. I don't, I'm not a reader. Um, I never sit still long enough to read, really. Um, <laughs> so perhaps television, but I don't watch that much of it. I like doing things rather than sitting watching or reading. Yes, yes. Cryptic you are crosswords a... and things like that. Good. Now, in terms of the four Gospels, out of Luke or John's Gospel, which do you prefer and why? Well, I think I'm going to be different from most of the other people you've interviewed. I like Luke because Luke was practical. He did things. John is wonderful. It is very visionary, a lot of it. Um. I love chapter 17 where he prays for me. That's wonderful. But Luke, um, in Luke, Jesus was out and about with the people, speaking with them, helping them, knowing their needs and doing things. Mm. And I find that that appeals to me. I like Luke. Now we come to dinner, food, lasagna <laughs> or roast beef dinner. What would you go for? Anything as long as someone else cooks it. But <laughs> roast beef, I should think. But really, sushi would be better. Oh, yes, yes. Now, with your sort of daily Bible reading and prayer, you've told us that you used to get up at half past five in the morning and lead <laughs> prayer. What, what's your preferred time, morning or evening? I love the mornings. I'm yeah. much better in the mornings. After about seven o'clock in the evening, I'm finished. I love the mornings. <laughs> okay, and which Bible translation do you prefer? I've put the New International Version or the Message, but you actually might prefer a different translation. Well, I prefer the NIV, really, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. I look at the others from time to time, which are helpful. But, yeah. Uh, and two hymns, uh, In Christ Alone or How Great Thou Art, what would you choose? Well, this is How Great Thou Art, and I must tell you a secret in case, in case you ever sit near me in church. It's a favourite in Japan, How Great Thou Art, in Japanese, of course, and Whenever we sing that, wherever I am, Elder Lane or anywhere, when it comes to the chorus, I sing it in Japanese. Oh, could, and you, I give love it, it. could you give it to us in Japanese now? Well, I'm not going to sing, but the chorus, Wagatama isatataiyo, seinaru mikamiyo. Wagatama isatataiyo, seinaru mikamiyo. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Um, chocolate or fruit? Fruit. I and like chocolate, but I like fruit best. Cheese or can, uh, candy? 
Cheese, <laughs> I my know. favorite food. Yes, Eileen yes. is a cheese lover. She's a mouse. Now, you've, you've spoken some words in Japanese. Do give us a sentence, a greeting, or in, in well, Japanese. Um, yeah. Minasan, konnichiwa, ikanga de gozaimasuka, konogoro wa ii o tenki desne. Now, that is saying, hello, everyone. How are you? It's been very hot these days, hasn't it? Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Just Thank in case you. you didn't understand. <laughs> well, I'm impressed. Now, how long have you been associated with Colchester Baptist Church and how did that come about? Well, I came home from Japan right in December 1979 and the railway mission where I had attended was just on the brink of closing. Various things had happened and it was about to close. So I looked around Colchester and I attended several churches, one of which was Eld Lane. And I was impressed with Eld Lane um, for the Bible teaching. Every week we got good Bible message. They had a prayer meeting and Bible study during the week. And mm. it just seemed to be what I wanted and what I needed. The welcome mm. was great. I liked the people. So I joined Eld Lane in 1980 and I've been there ever since. And Rod Sortel, the minister at the time, um, was just beginning his ministry and he invited you, didn't he, to become a lay preacher and to get involved um, in yes. preaching. What does that Rod look like? Rod was very good at getting people involved. Yes. Um, I was a deacon for 18 years, a pastoral assistant, coordinator of the Sunday school, um, a member of the missions committee and I was just into everything. And then he, um, he had a pastoral team and he put me on that as well. And we used to take services sometime. And then um, he, he was out preaching. He, I remember him going out to Malden to the ordination of a new minister. And he took me with him. And that started my love for Malden Baptist Church. And yes. gradually I got um, going to other churches as well and God has given me the privilege of going to various churches in the area and being able to speak of him. And I know you're much appreciated and you also got involved with another ministry, a very important ministry called Friends International. Tell yes. us about that. Well when I went to Japan in 1962 there wasn't a university in, in Colchester um, but of course I came back and the university was there and after my mother died um, and I had a little more time on my hands, I had found out that there was this um, university and students from all over the world and someone said, well, of course, there are Japanese students there. Now, when I left Japan, I thought that was the end of Japanese and Japanese people. But I got, went to the university, I met Joan Davis with Friends International and I became associated with them and helped with the International Women's Group and um, was a volunteer with them. I joined the International Academy and I was a volunteer teaching an English conversation class to the international students. And of course, every Japanese I met, I invited to come back to my home. I believe very much that trying to bring people to Christ is a friendship and yes. we had some wonderful friendships. I've had literally hundreds 
of Japanese students in my home here and friendships last even now mm. and through that God very graciously worked and I know at least seven who became Christians during their time at the university three of whom were baptized at Old Lane. That's fantastic and they've all returned to Japan and uh, are part of churches now in Japan aren't they? Yes yes, yes. indeed. Yeah. So how do you relax? Put your feet well, up? No. <laughs> I love cryptic crosswords. I love gardening. I like taking photographs. And just about an hour ago, I returned home from great game of tennis in the heat. And that is something I can thoroughly relax doing and I thoroughly enjoyed. That's great. That's great. You're amazing. It's been really good to chat to you, Eileen. And um, I've asked everyone in their final comment what words of encouragement you would give us so can i invite you to give us a word of encouragement please well i think during this time it's a verse that's always been very real to me but at the beginning of psalm 91 we read that verse whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty and I read a translation of that one time that stuck with me that says, the person who chooses as his permanent abode, the secret place of the Most High, will always be in touch with the almightiness of God. And that is a tremendous encouragement to me, to be in touch with the almightiness of God, whether it's a pandemic, whatever it is, it's been a wonderful privilege day by day to be in touch with him who is almighty and yet who is caring uh, even as cole wrote a letter i think about it at one time we're sort of beneath the wings of the chicken uh, we're looked after as a chicken looks after the chicks so god yeah. looks after us so yeah. he's a father a mother but he's also almighty yeah and that's a, an encouragement to me Eileen, it's been wonderful to have you on this conversation. And um, you are a ball of energy. You bring so much zest to us and um, your love for Christ in you uh, is profound. And thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for being the blessing. And thank you for showing us that, uh, about faithfulness in following God's calling. Uh, in our lives and that he provides for us when we're obedient to him. Um, you've shown all of that to us and we, we're, we're just very grateful to God for you. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. God bless you.